Now, Roger Goodell, the commissioner at the podium. The Kansas City Chiefs select Patrick Mahomes, the second. Quarterback. Oh. The San Diego Chargers select Eli Manning, quarterback, Mississippi. Newsome, even though this is his last draft, he's trying to get ahead of the curve, something he's done throughout his career. My family was there. We were all excited. And, and thank God I got, I got picked here. What's going on, everybody? I am Josh Taylor, host of the Draft Takeover podcast here on the Takeover Sports Network. And I'm excited to get things started here with a good friend of mine that I've known for a while now and then accidentally ran into him uh, going to the Senior Bowl at the Atlanta airport. And that is Ian Cummings from Pro Football Network. What's going on, man? Nothing much, man. Just the usual draft stuff. Obviously, the Washington Commanders trading for Carson Wentz today. So, you know, we were writing about that. But uh, it is what it is. I mean, it's the hamster wheel. You run on it every day. And I know we had the Russell Wilson trade the day before Aaron Rodgers announcing his return. You know, it's just one of those things. That it's the NFL. It never stops uh, churning out news. And it's just how you react to it. But I'm good, man. It's just, you know, another day of looking up prospects and stuff like that. So it, it's fun. It, it's always a fun time. And especially... With the NFL Combine uh, in the rearview mirror and pro days starting to circle in, you get even oh, yeah. more numbers now. Uh, it's it's one of the best times of year to to kind of reconfirm, reevaluate what you see on tape. So, yeah. So, like you said, all these crazy news have been going on, and it started even before that with the Combine, which is what we're going to talk about tonight. Yeah. The crazy numbers, probably one of the most historic combines I can remember watching. I mean, they were saying like every guy seems like he was up to run the four. You're like, oh, he's going to break the record. He's going to run a four two something. Like we know what's going to happen. So a lot of things go on at the combine. But one thing that I know every single year is um, you've probably seen him on Twitter. It's at Math Bomb. Uh, Kent, someone who's actually in PFN with Ian, creates this chart that breaks down and grades these players based off of the numbers at the combine. And it's something that I've been seeing for so many years now and it's one of the highlights because i'm like all right let me see them numbers let me see them grades to kind of yeah. see if it matches up with what i'm you know looking at on tape and how i feel about this player so real quick just tell me a little bit about this you know the, the res score and how it comes together and how y'all really use it at pfn yeah kent's a gem man he's he's one of the best guys i know and one of the hardest workers too and it shows with the product that he puts out the rest is awesome I remember even before he was with PFN, I was using that. I was looking at it like this is valuable information. So how it works is basically, you know, it, it's pretty simple in the grand scheme of things. Uh, you, but you take the the athletic testing numbers and like bench preps and, and like size numbers that prospects put up and you weigh it against the historical testers at the position. And then that way you can get an understanding of how they test, how they stand and compared to everyone who's ever tested at that position. So it's pretty cool, a comparison tool to see, you know, where those prospects stack up at their position all time. And I think the, the thing that I really like about it is, you know, it's not just like there is that composite score, but let's say a guy like Calvin Austin, right? I mean, he's not going to get a good size score. He's only like 5'7", 174, but he's an elite athlete outside of that. And so I really like that, you know, the RAS has different categories for size, agility, explosiveness, and speed. So with a guy like Austin, you know, you can see where he where he stacks up and where he doesn't like the size is going to be red, but everything else is going to be green. I love that part of it. So, like, let's say if you if you're OK with betting on smaller receivers, if they have that athleticism, then you can see that it conveys that. And so I really like that it breaks it down and kind of categorizes everything uh, really easy to see, easy to read, easy to understand. Uh, and it's just one of those things where, 
you know, if you need to understand what a player's athleticism is, what his athletic ceiling is, the RAS is the go-to tool uh, to use that. And obviously, you want to corroborate it with the film, but having that RAS as a resource, man, I I've been using it for years. And I mean, now that I'm working with Ken, now that I've seen him work on it up close, and not just that, but our mock draft simulator too. I mean, he's the guy works as hard as anyone or harder than anyone i should say he's always working always talking about coding and stuff and i don't understand any of it and that just makes me respect no even more because you know he puts the work in and it really shows yeah i guarantee there's teams out there that at least look at these and you know yeah. use these numbers for sure um but i think it really tells a story you know like i said with the RAS, you know compared to tape you know that's something that a lot of guys talk about like you know lewis riddick or bucky brooks stuff like that like hey these are the numbers that are coming in. Let me go back and look at the tapes and see what I was missing. Like, was the player used correctly? You know, what did he not get, you know, reps at this spot where he should have been? Someone like a Trayvon Walker, possibly, who, you know, jumped out with huge numbers. And they kind of say, like, maybe he wasn't used the right way or maybe he was just kind of, you know, saturated in that Georgia defense. But it just gives you another side of the story to kind of look through everything, go back in your tapes, revisit, like you said, and edit some things. You know, obviously, Combine's not going to change too much but it does help out draft stocks and it really does tell a story about a player so obviously all eyes were on quarterbacks some didn't participate i know matt corral sat out um he measured up which he actually measured up a little bit bigger than expected but one of the athletic things that stood out to me was the first guy here i'll show you all the uh rash score and that was desmond ritter Desmond Ritter came in at a 9.54. And if you just look at this chart right off the bat, how do you really break this down? Obviously, you know, you have your 40-yard dash, but you see, like, the green, yellow, and the red. How does that really grade everything to come together to get that, like, total score? Yeah, so it's just, like, you know, a composite figure, and I think it's it's weighted. I think I, I'll have to ask him, like, the specific ways. I'm pretty sure it's weighted equally equally across the categories, but, like, let's say – you know, he's got that 7.32 size score. It's yellow, but it's 7.32, so it's not going to weigh him down a ton. You got the weight, obviously, it's 3.42, so that would weigh him down a little bit, get him closer to average, obviously, if you put those two numbers together. But then you got a bunch of green, and that's going to weigh him up a lot, especially when you look at the percentiles. You know, that's one thing you got to look at is, you know, not just the tier, but also the percentile. So, for example, the 449, that's in the 99.5th percentile. You know, like yeah. the the... the 10 yard split 1.59 in the 97.3rd percentile so that those are high... jump is ridiculous yeah that broad jump 9.96 <laughs> i mean jumping out the gym that's insane i mean and for those of you I, I feel like most people would understand but like if you don't if you it's it's 99.6 percent of quarterbacks that he's tested better than ever to have numbers recorded at the nfl combine so that's kind of that's kind of how it works it's really just kind of a a percentile out of 100 and then conveying that on a one to 10 scale for every category. But, you know, it's one of those things where, you know, if you're good enough in, in other categories, it's going to cancel out, you know, any deficiencies in other categories. So it's one of those things, uh, especially with Ritter, like for the weight, like you yeah. see that you see that red spot on there, but there's so much good. It's really not going to make a huge difference on a score. And as we see, you know, 9.54 is a, is a pretty good score uh, for a quarterback. So. Yeah, I think this is really put in perspective how much of an athlete he is. Like with that speed, yeah. it kind of shows up on film, but you don't really. It's not like the one thing you think about Raiders, like, oh, he's quick. He's a four four nine guy. I think that took a lot of people by surprise. Um, but like I said, this just really tells a story of the quarterback athletically, what he can do for you, you know, in his skill sets. So for me, how much do you really think this helps a quarterback like Desmond Ritter with the stock? Did you kind of raise him up on your board a little bit, or is it kind of just like? Yeah, the, the the mechanics are still an issue. The you know the inaccuracies are still there for Ritter. Some kind of keeping them put, 
or you're like, hey, these numbers, you know, help them even go up a little bit on your on your uh, draft board. I do think the numbers helped him a little bit in the grand scheme of things. For me personally, I kind of expected it. You know, I I was watching the tape and like, yeah, I don't think he relies on it as often as he could. But it is something that does show up, you know, especially in open field. He's a really mobile dude. Uh, he can, you know, change directions pretty quickly in the pocket. So I expected it, especially being a lighter guy. You know, he's a little more freer on his feet. Uh, the, but for me, the questions that he needed to answer or that he needs to answer, I should say, are not questions that he's going to answer at the NFL Combine or not even until, you know, one to two years in his career, right? I mean, with Ritter, the whole thing has been, you know, being a four-year starter and still hasn't quite ironed out the uh, mechanics, you know, and the, and the mental side. Like when he, when he, I've said, like when he's in phase, I know Nate agrees with this too in our, in our Washington chat, but like when he's in phase, you know, when his mechanics don't really derail his process, he can actually process pretty well, make decisions and, you know, get the ball out to his receivers on time. But it's one of those things where, you know, the mechanics go into that a lot. You know, they really play into how you play each rep and his lower body can collapse pretty easily, you know, and his his motion can be a little winding. It's just one of those things where it's little things that add up and either, you know, contribute to maybe indecision if you don't feel comfortable in your base, which happens to him, or, you know, just inaccuracy, right, which we've seen time and time again from him, you know, kind of a volatile quarterback in that sense. So that never quite went away. That's what concerns me about him. Uh, but he, again, I think the the RAS, the athletic testing, is a good indicator of there is upside here. And he's a good guy. He's a good, he's a good guy too. You see him in interviews. He's very laid back, oh, yeah. very personable. So you know, I think if a team if a team thinks that he's got the personality, the mindset worth investing in, combine that with the physical traits, and you know, it's all about long term investment with QBs. What can he be? And you know, he can be a, a good player if he can iron out those things. So if you're a coach, the the question that you have to ask yourself is can you fix that? And, and I think if you if you're confident in your in your developmental staff that you have on board, um, you know, I, I feel like round one's where it's gonna go at this point. But I feel like that was also a culmination of, you know, the senior bowl obviously started off rough and progressed throughout the week and then having a good combine performance. I feel like all that will probably culminate in in boosting him to round one. Yeah, he, he, I think he was the better quarterback in the actual senior bowl game. Some people yeah. said Pickett. I think Pickett won like the offensive MVP, whatever. I didn't put too much weight into that, but I think, you know, yeah. just seeing him in the game, I think Ritter was better. Um, and I think Ritter's last season, he relied much more on his arm and used it much more. I think he had, you know, a good chunk of more attempts this season. Like I said, he didn't run as much and he showed that he can move around in the pocket. You know, he has great pocket awareness. He, he can, you know, manipulate the pocket and know where he needs to be, create these angles and stuff like that. Um, so I'm excited to see what he does with this pro day. I think, like you said, he might sneak up into maybe where like the Lions draft him with their last last pick because they have one right after it. The second depends on like wide receiver and stuff like that. But I think he could slip, uh, I mean, sneak into the first round after uh, some of these combine numbers and staying on offense. A lot of green here. Brees Hall running back came out with a 9.95. A lot of things jump off. For me, obviously, that 40-yard dash, 4.39. That's what you like seeing. But what's the one thing that really stands out to you with Brees Hall? Yeah, I think obviously the speed, and that was something that I saw on the tape. Once he hits that seam, I mean, he he goes, man. He puts on yeah. the Jets, and you love to see that from a guy who's 217 pounds. I think that's the other thing that stands out with him, and we knew he was going to weigh in pretty well, uh, but you know, I think I think he was listed at 6'1", 215, right, in, in college. So seeing if he could get around that weight it, at the very least, was a good sign because we know some guys they they weigh in at two or they're listed at two fifteen and they weigh in at like two two oh two or two oh three right so you, you never want to see that from a guy yeah. and especially with Brees Hall 
who it, it, he's an interesting prospect because I think he's short, he's dense, but I don't think power is an overarching element of his game. I think he's more of a finesse back right now. Like he, he can play up to his frame a bit more at the NFL level. He has the potential to do that. But right now, I think what he, what he relies on predominantly is this athleticism that you see to make those short cuts and, and kind of, elude runners and then explode into space which that's a great that's a great style to have especially when you have the vision that he does you know i think you can rely on that uh, it's one of those things though especially the explosiveness numbers like the 40 inch vertical i mean i love to see that from guys i love to see if you can gear up in those short spaces and kind of explode off of your uh, off of your cuts you know that that's big for me especially if you have the vision to apply that correctly and i think Brees all does so i think for him obviously a very good combine performance i think he was one of the top seven running backs ever to test That's in the wild. combine so it's one of those things where it's pretty good right so i think honestly yeah i mean the speed the explosiveness the agility it all kind of checks off the one thing that i wanted to see more of on his tape is the physicality honestly you know some people cite his contact balance i didn't think it was great i think he went down on first contact sometimes more than i'd like to see for his frame but I do think, you know, he has the foundational traits, which is the athleticism and the vision to properly use that. So as far as I'm concerned, I'd moved him to RB1 a few weeks before That's the combine. I was going to ask you, like how, yeah. where, where, where is he rank at? Because for me, it's been Spiller and Brees Hall really close. Yeah. And then Kenneth Walker, like at two, kind of wanting mm -hmm. to say something. But is he still one for you? Yeah, so here's it's been interesting for me, man. I think going into the offseason, I had them neck and neck. I think I had them one, two, three on my rankings. Just like I should say, like they were like 33, 34, 35 on my Jeez. overall big board. And so it's I was close. like really close. Yeah, it's like right there. But um, I think I had it Spiller originally and Walker two and then Hall three because I didn't like the the lack of contact balance from, from Hall. It was something that kind of took me aback because, you know, I'd heard about him being this burly guy who's got the frame and he does. I didn't see him breaking tackles as much as I wanted to. But then I thought about it some more and I watched him a little bit more. And it's like, well, would I rather bank on a guy? Because Isaiah Spiller is agile. He's got that finish, yeah. that finish, that finisher gene where he comes downhill and he can, you know, bounce off of guys. But I don't think Isaiah Spiller's vision instincts are quite at the level of Hall's. You know, so I was looking at that. Would I rather bank on a guy who has the frame? and has the vision and the explosiveness, but just needs to play off to his frame more? Or would I rather bank on the guy who's definitely agile and physical, but doesn't quite have the vision to see those spaces and maximize them? And I think I'd rather bank on the first one. So Hall is that guy. So that's kind of what, what went into the decision to move him. And then obviously, you know, the athleticism testing kind of getting confirmed at the combine. That was great to see because I know there was some discourse about how he's going to run. I expected like 4-4, four, 4-4-5, four, 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 like maybe low to mid 4-4, four, four, getting in that 4-3-9 range and then having the 40-inch on top of that was very good. Yeah, and obviously the crazy uh, stat with consecutive games with a touchdown. Yeah, it's, for me that Iowa State had way too much talent to not be better than they were. Like I feel like they underperform every single year. They'll upset Oklahoma and then just kind of fizzle out to being average again. Made no sense at all. But I agree with you. Brees Hall's right there. It's it's still hard for me with him and Spiller. It's tough, but I don't want to knock Kenneth Walker to third, but sometimes I have to. Yeah. Uh, but let's talk about bad running back. And this one kind of surprised me. I want to see your thoughts on this one with oh, Kyron yeah. Williams. Yeah, I, this this surprised yeah, me too. This is tough. This is yeah. this is not good. <laughs> it's a lot of red. Dude, here's the thing. This is a big reevaluation point for me because I watching his tape, I thought he was more athletic than this. I, I thought he was gonna run, you know, maybe four or five, maybe even 
high four four. You know, I I thought he was faster. You know, I and he looks that's, faster on tape. He does, and I think you know it's interesting. It, it's something that sometimes this comes up where it, it, their play pace, how how yep. fat with how much energy they play, can kind of can kind of skew your perception of their athleticism. I think that might have been it with with uh, Kyron Williams because obviously. You know, when he hits those seams, he goes. You know, he can accelerate pretty quickly. You know, he's really urgent with his style, you know, and I think he has some twitch in there. And especially in short spaces, too, he can kind of, you know, shimmy around guys and stuff like that. So he's got that agility. It's just one of those things where, you know, maybe we overcalculated after seeing all that. And that's one of those things where, you know, you just got to own it, right? Because sometimes it's very hard to identify athleticism correctly on tape. Like you can tell if a guy's athletic usually, but you do have your misses time and time again. So if when you do, you just got to own it and kind of figure out why did this happen? How did this happen with, with Kyron Williams? I think, like you said, I think he plays faster than those numbers. And I think that's also a reason to have solace to, to kind of have confidence in him as a guy who can have a role either way. Cause he does play faster than that. He's a great receiving threat. And then the pass blocking is just insane. I mean, he's the best pass blocking at RB in the draft. So it's those are redeeming qualities for sure. But for his size, man, I, I really would have liked him to see test better. You know, yeah, I that's, was, was, that's one thing rough. I tweeted out was, you know, play speed and combine speed is completely different. Yeah. And, you know, in, in scouting and evaluating, play speed is very important. You know, not just speed, but like mental processing, stuff like that. Hmm. But like you said, you go back to the tapes and you're like, this doesn't add up. Like I see that ex explosiveness, like you said, once he gets that open field, like he can hit that other gear and just kind of take off. Like, so how much does it really weigh down what you're seeing on tape? Are you kind of like, just like, eh, I'm trusting the tape more on this one, but these numbers just aren't adding up. You know, I, I care more about what the pads on in game situational play speed. I think, you know, it's half and half. And I think the, the key here is reevaluating once you see these numbers, you know, like I'm not just going to say, well, he looked faster on tape. I'm not going to get a really that. good offensive line. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like that too, you know, but here's the thing. Like the, I think the key you have to, if there's a disconnect, you have to go back. All right. Like that's the key. You have to go back and be open to reevaluating and changing your opinion. You know, that's something I still got to do that. I, I got, I got scouting reports to, to get going on uh, late in the week, but you know, at some point I'm going to go back look at the, uh, look at his tape again and see, you know, all right. Was it the athleticism that I was, you know, kind of mis misconstrued? You know, was the play pace that kind of factored into that? What was the deal here? What caused this this disconnect? Or do I think he plays faster? And do I think it's acceptable? Right. So it's one of those things. Like at the end of the day, you know, that's what the that's what the NFL combine is for. It is kind of you know getting these results, and usually it's going to confirm what you saw on tape. If you thought a guy was athletic or not, you know, I think we, I think a lot of people, I think you and me can both attest. We had far more hits than misses this year based on what we saw on tape, but occasionally there's going to be this disconnect and, you know, it's a cue to go back and open your perspective and potentially reevaluate. So I think for me personally, obviously, if you think they play faster than the numbers, like you said, play speed is more important than, than combine speed. But at the same time, combine speed does kind of open a window into a prospect's true upside so you know let's say i go back and it's like you know what he doesn't quite have the top end speed that i thought he did you know that's something that's going to weigh him down a little bit so it's just something you gotta you know it, it's a cue to reevaluate and that's where the that's the source of your ultimate opinion down the road yeah every draft has its uh antonio gandy golden that was a guy i for sure missed yeah. on i was higher on him than anybody i was like oh this guy can get separation He's, you know, for his size, like he can run and then it just never really happened. Uh, but speaking of wide receivers, 
This guy has been the biggest winner in the entire offseason, senior bowl, you name it. And it is Christian Watson out of North Dakota State, 9.98. We knew he was fast. This just confirms how high can Christian Watson really go? Do you have him? I, you know, mostly I've seen him in the second. Is there any chance he can sneak into the late first? I mean, look at these numbers, man. 6'4, 208, 436 with a 1 5 4 10 yard split and then a 38 and a half inch vertical. That broad jump. 99.5% of receivers that he's tested better than uh, with that 136-inch broad jump. So looking at these numbers, man, I mean, and then not just that, but looking at how he's used on film, I mean, he's not just a deep threat. You know, he gets the ball in his hands. He's a rack threat. You can move him around in motion. Really versatile guy. I think if I'm being honest, man, and this is just, you know, as a draft analyst, you've got to be open to every outcome, right? There's so many different outcomes that can play out in the NFL draft. No one knows truly what's going to happen. So if you ask me, does he have a chance to go round one? Absolutely, he does. I mean, mm-hmm. do I think it's going to happen? I'm not sure. Uh, it it's all depends. so deep. There's so many. Like, Jahan Dotson, so does he kick him out? I don't know. Like, I yeah. can see him. He's past David Bell for me. Yeah. But, like, yeah, Jahan Dotson, sure. I don't know if I'm willing to do that yet. Yeah, with Dotson, it's weird because – he weighed in a little bit lighter, right? I still think he's a very good player, but these teams have athletic size thresholds that they take into account. And, you know, maybe for a certain team, Dotson doesn't factor in because he's too light, right? So, you know, I think that's something you got to take into account too. And it's something every team sees differently. So you really got to, you got to go back and look at their draft histories to pick up on those tendencies. And regimes are changing too. So that just adds another, you know, factor into the whole mess. But, you know, I do think, it all depends on preference, what what a team prefers the position, and every team prefers something different, right? So you can never truly peg it down. But, you know, taking that into account, taking the just the sheer volume of outcomes that can occur, I think Christian Watson has the athleticism and the talent to go round one. And he, he showed that at the Senior Bowl. You know, we saw yeah. it, it wasn't just <laughs> him get. It wasn't just like him getting an end around or whatever. We saw he was separating with the, with that twitch at the line, with those releases. He was getting separation. And then I think there was like – there was one catch. I think it was either – I think it might have been on day two where, you know, the crowd oohed not. You know, you know, you had those moments yeah. uh, at the Senior Bowl, and he had one where he elevated and got went up and got it, and, you know, everyone saw it. So he's a talented guy, you know, and beyond the numbers, an able receiver who can be a contested catch threat or run out to catch threat. So I think you you factor that versatility in with the size and the upside. You know, I, I don't think there's any reason to preclude him from potentially being a round one option. Yeah, like I said, he's been the biggest riser. He skipped rounds, not picks, but rounds yeah. in the offseason, which is pretty hard to do. Uh, one of the sleeper guys on mm-hmm. offense, tight end Daniel Bellinger out of San Diego State. And this one's fun because he included a comparison to Travis Kelsey. This is a guy that not a lot of people have talked about too much. You know, you have your top tight ends with Watermeyer, uh, likely McBride. I'll even throw, you know, Dolkich has been in there kind of getting a lot of, you know, hype coming up. But do people need to wake up and really start paying attention to Daniel Bellinger? Yeah, I mean, I'll tell you what, man. These numbers open my eyes to him. I mean, look at this RAS, 9.45. I mean, he tested well in every area. I mean, just 6'5", 253, great size, uh, getting a 4.63, 40-yard dash. Uh, with a 1.62 10 yard split and then obviously the broad jump look at that better broad jump than travis kelsey so i mean that's pretty impressive (laughs) as well and then 34 and a half inch vertical just solid numbers all around even the shuttle 
you know, while it's in the red, it's still in the 40th percentile. So not terrible. You know, it's a little below average, but again, you know, that's not something I'm not, I'm going to knock a guy for overall. Very good rest for Daniel Bellinger. I still got to circle back and watch the tape, but he's near the top of my list right now for going back and watching guys. Cause I, I do remember, you know, being at San Diego state, primarily a blocking tight end early on in his career. So didn't yeah. always get those opportunities as a receiver, but we've seen guys who, you know, have that athletic upside. Sometimes they're not used correctly and that can kind of dull, you know, what you see on tape and kind of, you know, reduce your perspective. Right. So I'm really excited to go, go back and see, you know, what this guy has to offer, because looking at the RAS, man, he's got the size, he's got the athleticism. It's all there. You know, can he put it together? And for me personally, you know, I do know, I remember he had some moments at the Shrine Bowl too. So I'm excited yeah. to go back and look, I still got to do it. But, you know, that RAS is, you can't look away. I mean, he had the best composite RAS in a pretty strong tight end class. I don't think anyone tested as a below average athlete. So, you know, there's a lot of heavy competition. Daniel Bellinger unexpectedly came out on top. And he's, you know, a guy that really, you know, you got, it's important to get eyes on him because he, he's definitely a talented player. I mean, the numbers say that. Yeah, he's definitely one of the guys I went back and circled. I was like, all right, because. I mean, speaking of Washington, you know, not every team, but I would yeah. love to add a tight end. If he's like in that like third round, maybe fourth round phase, like that's perfect. I think that's a really good sweet spot to find like a really good tight end. And to round out the offense real quick, some quick hits. Two offensive linemen that I really like, and I didn't realize how high this guy scored until after I went back and saw it. Oh, that is Matt Lesko. I love this guy out of North Dakota. He has the most, this is going to sound really bad. He has the most attractive frame in a tackle I have ever seen. <laughs> the dude is just like built like a, just create a player on Madden. He looks, looks the part. I saw so many tapes of him, you know, bodying a boy, a mafe at a senior bowl, uh, even Kite from Penn state. I mean, he was like just handling these guys and he was a late addition to the senior bowl too. And he just showed up and showed out. And then he did this at the combine. How impressed have you been with Matt? Yeah, Matt's awesome, man. And I had a chance to talk with him. You know, I wrote up an interview piece on him. He's a humble kid. You know, he he likes to, I feel weird saying kid, but he, he's a, he's a, <laughs> he's a humble, <laughs> he's a humble guy. I should say, yeah. you know, we're in the same age tier, but he's a humble guy, you know, and he's, you're coming from a small school. He does have a chip on his shoulder. And we saw that at the senior bowl, you know, uh, he was locking down guys. I thought he had a better week than Trevor Penning, if I'm being honest with you. You know, I know Penning is going to get all the flashy reviews because, you know, he I don't he, know, he had, had those throws where he like threw him at Ritter's legs. <laughs> exactly. Like, I don't want my tackle doing that. Are you kidding? No. And, and to be fair to Penning, like, I still think the upside is very evident. I love the physical edge, but I do think well, let's go was a little bit cleaner throughout the week. I, I think, well, let's go. Like you said, He's a, he's a legit albatross, man. He's got those 36-inch arms. It is very hard to get around his frame. Then you factor in that he's this good of an athlete. It shows up on tape, too. I mean, the guy, he looks like, you know, he, he's definitely really light for his frame. He's definitely, he's been adding weight, though. I was really excited to see him at 312 and still maintain this athleticism. That's big for him because I know when I was talking to him, he said, you know, my ideal weight at the NFL level is 312, 315 maybe yeah. getting up to 320. So if he can get up to there and keep that athleticism, that's huge for him. But, you know, looking at him on tape, super easy mover, can match guys around the line. And when he gets out in space, he has these long bounding strides. He covers ground so quickly. And once he gets his arms on you, you're done. You know, he's just driving you down the field. 
So the run blocking and the pass blocking as well, you know, having that length, he, he likes, you know, I was talking to him, he likes to get a lever on guys, just get one arm and stab it, you know, so he's got that anchor. And then from there, he can kind of control the, control the Counter rep. if he has to. And, exactly, yeah. exactly. And he's got really good knee bend for his size. Sometimes with six foot eight guys, you worry about their pad level, but he is really, really good knee bend, really flexible guy. Uh, and then on top of that, he's got good technique as well. You know, he was showing that he could use his arms to negate rushes uh, at the Senior Bowl, and he was going, he was going up against a very strong group of guys. I mean, you you know, we were both there. You know, that was not an easy group to go against, and Walesco really showed his medal uh, at the Senior Bowl. So I think. For me personally, he's trending into round three territory, maybe even round two, honestly. I mean, he's been, a, he's had a tremendous rise this offseason. Uh, the traits all there. And then on top of that, stylistically, just a very clean prospect who knows what he's doing. I, I know he likes to emulate Andrew Whitworth, Whitworth, Whitworth God, Whitworth on tape. And, uh, you know, that that's a great comp, you know, not a comp, but a, a great guy to emulate, a guy who's yeah. had a lot of, you know, extended success in the NFL. So I think Matt will let's go small school guy, you know, not a lot of people knew about him coming into the process, but you know, he definitely needs to be at the top of your watch list if you haven't yet, because he's a very talented player and he's just, you know, he's just scratching the surface. Yeah. I like his game. Cause you'll see some tackles that are just overweight and they're too slow to like get out wide. Yeah. Or if they do, they get, you know, countered back inside and they just can't recover fast enough. So I know like, you know, 312 might be a little small, but it, like for his frame though, I feel like that fits what he wants to do. Like with his yeah, style, sure. like you said, I think uh, the word that I use, he's a spry, he's a spry athlete, you know, like his kickback, he gets a ton of depth on his kickback, yeah. you know, and then he can just like, he can match guys super easily, you know, just not the combination of the wide frame and the really, really incredible athleticism, you know, it's a, it's a really good combination to have. And then on top of that, having those, that arm length, like you don't have to be a 340 pound dude if you can get your arms on a guy and latch you know and if you're flexible enough to absorb power which he is you know that that's going to do wonders for you so i'm excited i think you know get him to 320 i think you're golden i think he's he's got a chance to be a long-term starting tackle yes north dakota not north dakota state yeah yeah so Watch some North Dakota tape. Don't look up North Dakota State because you're not going to find them. <laughs> so this was hands down the most impressive uh, RAS score the entire week. Came out as one of the historic best. We're going to the defensive side of the ball. You know who it is, Jordan yeah. Davis. It, it we saw, you know, we saw it on tape. We say we don't know with his conditioning. He might be a two down kind of guy. I don't care what down you put him on the field. This guy, and correct me if I'm wrong, the second best. Rash score ever second to Calvin Johnson, correct? Yeah. Yep, that is correct. That is Which correct. is wild. <laughs> That's insane, man. I mean, I knew we, I knew he was going to test well, but I did not know he was going to test this well. I was, I, I remember, I was driving somewhere. I was riding in the passenger seat, and I was looking at Twitter, and I, I look at it, and it says like four, seven, eight rass for Jordan Davis. Like, are you kidding me? Like, There's no that? way that like, dude was rolling. He was rolling, man. He's insane. I mean, and it definitely shows up on tape. I, I don't, I don't know if I wrote down four, seven, eight on tape, but you know, it shows up on no. tape when he has free space. He has pretty insane closing speed for his size. Like you got to do a double take. And I know, you know, six, six, three forty one. If you were standing on that combine line and he was running right at you at full speed, you'd be dead. I'm just saying that. You know, it's like impact with a train. You would the be train, dead. Yep. I'm sorry. Like we're we're gonna we're gonna pay for this. But like it's it's insane, man. And I, I like to, you know, I like to try and project with these guys. So I know that stamina has been an issue. And I do think it is an issue. I think he can add to his pass rushing arsenal. 
but you can't tell me I can't develop a guy like this uh, into into a premier pass rusher. I, I know my guy Dalton Miller on Twitter was saying the exact same thing. Like, hey, you know, this is the type of guy you can invest in and you can develop into a pass rusher, even if he's not there yet. So I think, you know, get him with an NFL conditioning program. And at the end of the day, too, you know, a lot of defenses in the NFL are going with more too high looks nowadays. And you know how you can maximize those two, two high looks is take a guy off the front and by having Jordan Davis, that really allows you to do that. Have a guy who can two gap and take on added responsibility. Absolutely. <laughs> exactly. And then not only not only does that allow you to have more DBs in your look, but that allows that frees up other opportunities for your defensive tackles one on one. You know, like your three techs outside of the guy, right? Like they can get those one on one opportunities, the edges across from them, right? So it's it's just, you know. People say, you know, why would we take a nose tackle around one? It's a symbiotic relationship that extends, that percolates to the rest of the defense. It frees up so much stuff. And then on top of that, if he can become a playmaker on his own, then that's just an added bonus. So I think Jordan Davis, uh, an incredible talent. I mean, you've seen on tape. Those, oh, yeah. those inhuman plays will hear he's going to anchor a guy and get the uh, get the first a gap and then shade over to the other one and then just like like it's no big deal right so he's a insane athlete with that strength that athleticism it's all there and i think if you're a team that uses a lot of odd man fronts uses a lot of those you know tight fronts i think you gotta have them at the top of your list the the plays that stand out is when you know someone's like running to the sideline he runs past wyatt yeah. and like just gets to the ball quicker i'm like there's no way this guy has that kind of sideline to sideline speed yeah. for his size. And it showed up at the combine. But like I said, I've been saying the chargers need to take this oh, guy. Yeah, for sure. Your run defense is bad. And like I said, you just got to teach them to penetrate the middle of the line, get, get to the quarterback. And then you got Bosa right there with you. I mean, for me, it's, it's, it's a match made in heaven. I've been saying it. And then Tom McShay was like, yep, the chargers need this guy. I'm like, thank you. Somebody else agrees. Cause like, this is a perfect fit. Maybe the Raiders. I don't know. I but, think uh, that, yeah, I think the Chargers are a perfect fit. Here's I don't know if he gets there. Here's the Ravens might want him too. It's just one of those things. He's gonna be in high demand. It's gonna be interesting man. to see. That'd be a good fit. I like it. Yeah. Um, so keeping it with Georgia, a guy that tested really well, maybe safety two now, maybe sitting at safety three for me. Lewis seen out of Georgia, great range, hard hitter. This guy is one, one of the guys that stood out in a great secondary for Georgia. Obviously, they're going to put like 100 dudes in the draft this year. But what really stands out and makes Lewis seen different from some of these other guys at safety? I think, you know, I think it's the range, the explosiveness. We've seen that on tape, especially coming downhill. You know, he brings a ton a of thumper. heat coming downhill. Exactly. He's a thumper, you know, and I think we see that in the testing. Not just having the 6-2 frame, uh, but also the 4-3-7 closing speed is definitely a plus for him. Having that 36.5-inch vertical, the broad jump over uh, 11 feet at 133 inches. I mean, the explosiveness is in high – it's it's in high uh, – uh, what's the word? Qu- quantity here. I know I phrased that weirdly, but it's there. It's all there. Mm-hmm. You Absolutely. know, it's one of those things where – and it's not just, you know, it's not just he has it, but he uses it really well. That's one thing that you see on tape. You know, a, a lot of people gravitate to the hard hits coming downfield and, you know, the big plays and coverage, those rangy plays. But Lewis Seen offers even more than that. I mean, to, to make those plays, you have to simply you got to position yourself effectively, too. Right. So I think, you know, on the back end, he, he's a playmaker for sure. But he's a smart player, too. He knows how to position himself. He knows how to use space follow the quarterback's eyes and position himself effectively after that, you know, and then looking at the 32 and a, 32 and one fourth inch arms, you know, th- that's a long frame for a safety. And then having that explosiveness, that closing speed, 
you know, he's got an elite athletic combination. And then on top of that, he knows how to use it effectively with patience and discipline on the back end. But not just, you know, not just patience, but being aggressive and, and you know, authoritative when he does see those opportunities. So I think with Lewis seeing, you know, he was already a fringe top 20 guy for me. Oh, yeah. I, I might end up moving him up even more. I know mm. I think it was Kyle Hamilton, Daxon Hill and Lewis seeing Hill didn't test quite as well as I expected him to do. Yeah. But I, you know, here's the thing. He still shows that insane closing speed on tape. So, you know, I'm going to, I'm probably going to defer to that. We, we know he's tested better before. So I'm kind of waiting to see what he does at his pro day and in a more beneficial environment. But, you know, I think it's, you know, for me, it's those three guys up front. I think you got to go with Hamilton, Seen, and and Hill in some order. I mean, Seen is right there with them. He's been, you know, he hasn't always been mentioned in the same breath. But I think you look at the playmaking ability and just the the overall solidity, you know, uh, around that. Like, if Washington, I'm not eleven, might be too high. But if they were to trade back, you know, maybe getting a guy like Lewis in a trade back, I mean, that would a be spicy take there. <laughs> that would be impre- That would be incredible, man. I think you know because you trade back, you get an extra pick too, get a wide receiver with that one maybe. But Lewis Seen, I think, I think he's that kind of player that can be a a completing player for your defense on the on the back end as a free safety. Yeah, I've I've had Daxon Hill above him just because I think he's a perfect fit in Kansas City, regardless mm-hmm. if Tyron Matthew goes on or not. I feel like they play pretty similar. Yeah. Um, but man, even above Brisker, I, I like I like Jaquan Brisker a lot. I like Jaquan I Brisker Lewis too. Jumped him just by a little bit. Yeah, for sure. All right, another one of these guys at the Senior Bowl that was the fastest recorded speed, and he actually got beat at the line, and the fastest speed came on his recovery. Yeah. And that is Tariq Woolen, one of my favorite guys. A bunch of nine nines here. This guy is an athletic freak at six four two oh five, and he has that kind of speed. How attractive is that as a corner in today's NFL? Yeah, I mean, whenever you have speed like that, I mean, it's not just him. There's other guys like Kalen Barnes as well. Oh, yeah. You know, that speed shows up on tape when you get beat. Like you said, you know, having that ability to recover is such a big thing. And I think Tariq Woolen has that. And I think he needs it right now because he is a little rough around the edges, especially with that press technique. You know, he's had flashes where he can stay in phase. But being a taller guy, naturally, you know, you really want to lower yourself into those transitions and be efficient, you know, and make sure that you stay in phase. And he can be a little stiff on those. He can be a little stiff. He can get run by, you know. So you really got to you really got to hone in on the details. I think he can improve there. Uh, and especially in open field drills, too, at the combine. Like, he tested really well. But I do think he looked pretty stiff in those open field drills. So he can improve that with technique, but it's something he's still working on, being a taller corner. And that's mostly his hips and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, his hips and then also the footwork too, like how you transition. Like there's ways to to make it better. Like I know Ahmad Gardner is one guy who watching his 2019 tape, you know, definitely wasn't quite as efficient of a mover. And he's not the most fluid guy, but, you know, Ahmad Gardner, going from 2019 to 2020, he improved his efficiency in motion and his fluidity just by improving his footwork and his technique, right? So I think Tariq Woolen can do the same thing. Uh, that's one thing with taller corners, why they usually don't work out is because they can't always be quite as fluid or free as a mover as shorter guys. But I do think with Tariq Woolen, the straight line athleticism is enough where you're willing to bank on that and willing to develop him. Because, hey, I mean, if he's got four two six speed, uh, the 42-inch vertical, super explosive, and then those long arms as well. I think he was like 33, 5 eighths, right? So that, those, the, those are arms that are longer than Kayvon Thibodeau Crazy. and David Ajabo's. <laughs> like you're talking about edge rushers here, and this cornerback's got longer it arms. It shows so. too. Like it's just like at his kneecap. It's like when I look at LeBron, I'm like, how like how are you actually just born with your like hands just touching your knees at the side? Like, yeah. I, not even close for me. <laughs> yeah, it's like, how does that happen? Right. But it's it's one of those things where 
I think you got to find the right schematic fit for him. And I think you got to be creative if you're a defensive uh, coordinator. I think you can move him around, maybe put him at safety on some reps if he, if he can learn it. You know, uh, it's one of those things where with a talent like him, I would never want to box him into a certain role. I think on the boundary, if you're, if you're looking to keep him mainly on the boundary, I think a lot of cover three zone concepts, we're going to do press bail, you know, get out in space and use that length and explosiveness. That's the key. You know, I don't want to, I don't want to put him on a string at the line and man in press man right away. Cause I know, you know, he, he's not quite there with his technique, but it, especially in zone heavy schemes. I mean, this guy's got the traits to be an absolute ball hawk. He's still, still going still pretty rough around the edges. Definitely need some time to develop, but, the upside, like you said, man, it's it's all there. I mean, the the size and then the the size adjusted athleticism, it's legitimately something we've never seen before. Yeah, like I said, I would you know, in a in the zone scheme, his ability just to recover and just go get the ball just because it's you know, quick, quick twitch, fast speed shows up on tapes. I feel like mm-hmm. that's perfect for him. I've got two more guys on defense for you. Someone that's you know, I've been talked about a lot for Washington. He said he had a formal interview with them, and that is a very raw but promising linebacker. Troy Anderson out of Montana State, who was also at the Senior Bowl, fastest linebacker, um, and and for me, you know, four four two is just outrageous. But he was a quarterback before this, you know. But he was more of a mobile quarterback. He wasn't much of a throwing quarterback. Yeah. But how raw do you think this guy really is? And is this, you know, are these numbers attractive enough to be like we can work with this? We can, you know, make a project out of this guy. Yeah, I think he is pretty raw, and it's it's interesting. People cite the uh, quarterback experience, which it's valuable. Don't get me wrong, but like you said, I mean, he got most of his production on the ground. That was kind of where it came. And with this athletic profile, I would too. You know, I mean, you're probably the best athlete on the field in every game you play at the FCS level, right? I mean, if you oh, yeah. if you have this kind of profile, <laughs> so it's one of those things where you know I'm not gonna knock the guy for it. He does have a little bit of work to do. You know, looking at his FCS tape. There are times where, and he plays fast when he sees what he what's going on when he when he's confident in it. But he can take faulty angles upfield. You know, he can bite on mixed directions pretty easily. You know, so th- there is a lot to clean up there. But I do think, especially in coverage, man. I mean, there's there's reps where uh, Montana State had him go to the overhang slot and cover move tight ends out of the slot, and he still did it. You know, so he's got the uh, explosiveness out of his stance, the top end speed to match guys the fluidity it's all there you know it's just a matter of and he's a high character guy too you talk to him you know he's a really down-to-earth guy and he's got you know there's a lot to like there and i think at the senior bowl you know through the week he flashed in the game he flashed he made some really nice plays closing downhill and making tackles for losses you know i think he's got that skill set where he can close really quickly has the range with his frame you know he's trending up i think he's just at the start again kind of like we said with some other guys really you know kind of at the start of his developmental curve but just scratching the surface. I think if you're Washington, here's the thing. I'm not sure because, like, you need a mic, right? I'm not sure if you can be a mic right away. I think yeah. for me Stuff, personally. Got to work on the instincts, you know, the reactions, yeah. being able to read, how yeah. the play's developing, stuff like that. Yeah. Absolutely. And, you know, reading and reacting, obviously a big part of linebacker. You know, I Especially think Mike. <laughs> Especially Mike because you got to telling guys, like, where guys should go, what's going on. You're kind of directing everything. You don't, you don't want to call the wrong play. Like, oh, it was actually a run. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, and, like, I think Troy Anderson can get there for sure but i'm not sure he's going to be there right away i think right away you know you don't want to box him in again i think move him around use that athletic profile to his advantage let him play freely you know i think getting him in that reactive outside linebacker role is the way to go early on so i'm not sure if that's a fit for what washington needs that could be a little redundant with jamin davis and cole holcomb in there so i'm not sure if that would be a, a wise use of assets but if you're confident in the mental makeup and that he can develop into that 
you know, then I guess that's your evaluation and you can stick with that. I think you know, the athleticism is definitely there and that's something you can build on. Um, you know, I think, again, for Washington, maybe not a fit, but if you like him that much, I think he could go in the second round easily. I mean, the we how often do you see a guy who's like 6'4", 238, runs a 4'4", and has that explosiveness? I mean, you don't see that very often. So I think, and especially being from the FCS, it's going to be a big jump in the quality of training that he gets and coaching that he gets at the NFL oh, yeah. level. And that's not a knock on FCS. That's just the NFL is a different, it's a different league, right? So it's one of those things. He's going to get the best treatment he can. And I think if he gets that, you know, it's really exciting to think about what he can become. Yeah, I agree with you. There's a lot there, but you have to really think, does he fit what you think you can make him into? And are you willing to put the time, the effort into him? And how high are you willing to take him? So second yeah. round for me would be way too high. Yeah. I'll let another team do it. <laughs> love, love Troy, but uh, not for us. And the last guy, probably one of, if not the best defensive player of the draft. The biggest question is how high can he go or how far will he fall because safety is just one of those positions you don't want to get too early but he's just so daggone good that's kyle hamilton out of notre dame a lot of green on the left side so my question for you is we know we watch the tapes he's a he's a game changer he's someone that you build around on a young defense how much does that right side with all that yellow and that little bit of red how much does that bother you I think for me it doesn't bother me a ton and i know i was talking with my guy ali about this and he was saying uh, we know Hamilton had a knee injury that he may have still been feeling the residual effects of. So I'm not going to take this completely in stock. I, I want to see his pro day performance again. Uh, you know, you do want to take it into account a little bit, but I do think what we see on tape kind of takes precedence with Hamilton, especially when you look at those explosiveness numbers for his size, having that 38 inch vertical, the 10, 11 broad jump at 6'4, 220. I mean, the guy moves really well on tape and i think that you know having that four five nine that's not a bad number when you factor in his size i mean right yeah. he's got long strider speed and cover the ground really quickly that way i think you know i was talking about this when it happened during the combine you know one guy that i keep thinking back to is justin simmons i mean justin simmons ran a four six right so not not an inspiring 40 but he had a 40 inch vertical i think with safeties and this is something that showed up with Cameron Curl, too. You know, looking back, he was a bigger safety who didn't have that top end speed. He ran in the 4-6 range, too. But he had that explosiveness to close gaps in short spaces. You know, come downhill pretty quickly, accelerate, get to your top speed so that you can make impacts quicker. You know, and I think Cameron Curl has that. And that's allowed him to make an impact early on as a, you know, as a big slot, strong safety hybrid for Washington. So I think that explosiveness is a little more important than top end speed. Again, I'd love for you to have that top end speed like Lewis Seen does. But at the same time, I think for Hamilton, being a, a big player like he is, running in the four fives is not something that's going to scare me away when he's as explosive as he is. I think I, I want to see his pro day. But again, also, you know, he's not just a physical specimen. He's intelligent. He's got a high football IQ. He processes really well. And he can play very fast because of that. And I think that that helps to maximize his skill set. So, again, if he runs in the four fives, it's not something that's going to scare me away from everything else that's there. I think at the end of the day, you're looking at a guy who can be a versatile catalyst for your secondary, a guy who can be an absolute game changer. And for me personally, he didn't test bad enough for me to change my opinion on that. I think he's still a very good player.
Yeah, especially at 220. Like you said, I'm not too worried about his 40. Like you watch the tapes and see, you know, there's a couple of places. I forgot who it was against, maybe Florida State, where he just like sprints to the sideline, gets that pick. Yeah, Florida um, State. It's just, yeah. yeah, it's just those kind of plays that show up on tape. And you're like, look, all right, <laughs> these numbers aren't changing what we see him do every single Saturday for Notre Dame. For me, I just, I, I'm so curious where he goes. I think he's too good for the Jets to pass up. Um, I think even at four, that that pick that early, I know it's a he's a safety. It's kind of hard yeah. to tell, but I I think he's just that good for a young defense. Robert Sala, defensive minded guy, he's gonna just you know drool over a guy like this, especially if the edge rushers are going off early, which I think they will be. But mm-hmm. it's hard to tell. But the combine was a blast, and like you said, we have so much coming up with pro days. They kicked off. I think today there was a couple um, that started off today, right? Yeah, it was. I know Oklahoma. Wisconsin, oh, yeah. they had some big results coming out of Wisconsin. I know Leo Chanel blew the roof off at the pro day. The Oklahoma, Wisconsin, uh, Northwestern, Kansas had one. Uh, yeah, and they'll be they'll be filtering in in the next few days. So you know, I I know pro days have been taken with a grain of salt in the past, but as I've thought about it more, it is a more beneficial environment for the player, uh, an environment that they're more comfortable in. And, you know, I would honestly take those numbers with the same amount of stock because you you want the player to be as comfortable as possible when they're testing because that's how you're trying to get them in game shape when you're an NFL team kind of training them, right? So I I think it's a valuable opportunity, especially for those small school guys. You know, a lot of guys get opportunities. You don't really get to see them very often, but small school guys, if their numbers pop out to you, write that name down and maybe take a flyer on them. So it's one of those things where it's always fun to find diamonds in the rough as well. Yeah, the biggest name for me is Matt Crow has a ton. He they said he's a full go uh for Ole Miss's pro day, which I think is like March 23rd. Uh, I'm pretty sure. So to me, that's the one I'm circling because you know, we haven't seen anything from him. You know, the senior bowl, he wasn't invited. Combine, he didn't work out, he measured in. So we get that full, you know, taste of what Matt Crow is gonna look like. So I'm excited to see that. I know you've got a lot coming up. You have your own show coming up, so you want to do a, a quick shout out on that and then tell everyone where they can follow you on Twitter. Yeah, so you follow me at Ian underscore Cummings underscore nine. PFN is at PFN365. We've got a new uh, premier NFL draft podcast that we've been kind of rolling out the past few weeks with myself and Ali, just going over different draft topics and really just kind of talking, right? We kind of wing it. We're like, we meet the morning of, we're like, all right. Ali's a trip, though. <laughs> he's, Ali's a fun dude. Yeah, he's a fun dude. He's like, yeah, you know, just morning, bright, bright and early. He lives in the UK, so he's got a few hours Perfect. on me. So yeah. it's kind of cheating, <laughs> but, you know, it's it's a fun time always to talk talk with him. And, you know, he's a, he's a thorough, detailed guy. You know, I, I always bounce off of him with stuff so you know always fun to talk with him and have those discussions so check that out at pfn yeah uh, that's where you can find that podcast and it, it's always fun to talk about the draft man as you know as we know here i like we could go on with these guys we could talk for another hour and a half but unfortunately oh, yeah. we don't have that time i'm yawning constantly so i'd i'd be i'd be a wreck after 30 minutes but it's always fun to discuss these guys and see what's happening Absolutely. Like I said, there's still so much coming up. So we'll pay attention to uh, the pro days, throw out some numbers. Like you said, already some big numbers coming in. But guys, I will catch you all in the next episode. This is the Draft Takeover Podcast.